Hi, I'm Paul from Vancouver, Washington. The Sound of Young America is an independent production supported by listeners like you and me. If you'd like to donate to support the show, visit MaximumFun.org and click on Donate. Thank you. Live on tape from my house in Los Angeles, I'm Jesse Thorne, and this is The Sound of Young America from MaximumFun.org. Radio sweetheart, on the airways, it's the sound of It's the Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. This week on the program, we're live on tape from Sketchfest NYC at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater in New York City. Earlier this week, you heard from Pangea 3000, Don Landis, and Michael Showalter. Later this week, you'll hear from Zay Frank. But first, Jay Smooth. For more than a decade, Jay Smooth has been holding it down on WBAI-FM's The Underground Railroad, one of the first hip-hop shows to crack the Pacifica Radio wall of aging hippies. More recently, he's become a well-known hip-hop blogger at hiphopmusic.com and now a video blogger with The Ill Doctrine. Here's the audio of one of Jay's typically trenchant pieces. Have you ever wondered why Bill O'Reilly likes to talk about hip-hop so much? I'm sure I'm not the first person to say this, but I think it's because Bill O'Reilly wants to be a rapper. Think of everything you know about Bill O'Reilly. It's also everything that you expect out of a gangster rapper. He's an egomaniac that loves to brag about how successful he is. He also loves to write about his lewd sexual activities. He's always getting into beef with his peers for no good reason. And in general, he gets paid by promoting hate and conflict and negativity. But whenever you call him on it, he tells you that he's just reporting reality. He personifies the cliche commercial thug rapper. So I decided to make his dream come true and try to show everybody what it would sound like if Bill O'Reilly was a rapper. Distort your perspective with my invective, then pretend I'm objective. Y'all appointed me to serve injustice, kick like a steel toe. Y'all know it's Bill on my tactics are trifling. When I attack for the right wing, run up from the back, push the knife in. Up in my no spin zone, I rock your bells like a ringtone. Call you prehistoric like Flintstones. This ain't journalism, this is Fox News. You need a plan for some slander. So, Jay, I read that you actually started on the radio, or at least started in on working at the radio station when you were really young, like 16 years old. That is true. I was 16 years old, and my mom, who I believe was in the audience, wanted me to find something to do over the summer and actually got rejected from a job at McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> so, really? Uh, yeah, I don't know how wow. that happened. But I uh, heard about an internship at a radio station here in New York, WBAI, and uh, the guy that I'd be working for, Anthony Sloan, the two shows he worked on were this sort of hip-hop comedy sketch troupe named Creative Unity and this show that did all unreleased Prince music. Which I was a big fan of both of those, so I, I went up there and got the internship and started working with them, engineering for the news for a woman named Amy Goodman, who's well-known now for Democracy Now! And uh, a couple of years later, they wanted to get a youth audience going, so they wanted to start a hip-hop show, and I was the only person who wasn't a 40-year-old hippie at the station. <laughs> Jay, that's not fair. There were 50 and 60-year-old hippies. You're right, you're right. <laughs> I've worked in community radio. Um, what, when you started the show, what, what were your objectives? Like, What did you think you could bring to the table that, that wasn't there already? 
Well, I mean, at that point, hip-hop, this was in 1991, hip-hop was right at the crossroads of really becoming mainstream, and it felt like, you know, all of the incredible music that I had grown up on still wasn't really recognized by most of the world, so I thought of the show as sort of a funnel to get all this great hip-hop as a whole out to daylight and show it to the world, and as as the landscape has evolved, especially as the idea of a commercial hip-hop radio station came into being, the meaning has altered somewhat to be sort of an alternative to all the other hip-hop that's out there in the mainstream, like showing that there's a broader palette out there. Uh, what kinds of things do you see on your show that you might, that you might not see elsewhere? What, what, what exactly are you bringing to life? Um, well, I mean, I think one of the main things was I had always grown up, you know, hip-hop was a big part of who I was, you know, it was what kept me alive as a shy, isolated kid growing up. But, you know, the people you saw representing hip-hop, there were a lot of great radio shows out there, but they always were sort of posing and posturing a certain way while they were talking in between the songs. And, I, you know, I wanted to sort of carve out a space to show that nerds can represent hip-hop just as well as <laughs> anyone else, and you can sort of have random conversations about whatever else in between the songs and that that is just as much a part of hip-hop culture. I'm trying to sort of represent for the nerds in hip-hop. Have you gotten odd reactions to that? I know when I, I used to host a music show when I was in college in addition to the talk show and people always thought it was really weird, even in Santa Cruz, that I was, you know, coming on and talking in basically this voice right, right. here about the rap record that I just played. Right. Um, and, you know, even now, like, if I interview a rapper, they think it's really weird that I talk like this and then I know who, I don't know, like, you know, Chino XL is or something like that. So, <laughs> for the record, Jay just made a really, like, I know who Chino XL is face. I rapped on stage with him once. <laughs> there you go. So, have you gotten odd reactions either from, from audience or from that classic community radio audience or from guests that you've had on the show to your style and manner? Um, I mean, to my surprise, I've pretty much been accepted as well. I'm always afraid that when I have rappers coming in, I'll give them like, who is this geek and why is he talking to me? But that, I never get that reaction from them. It's been more, it's been more of a struggle from the sort of counterculture older establishment at the radio station to get them to recognize that hip hop has value as a form of music. Like it's easy for them to relate to hip hop being the political voice of the youth and all that, but for them to understand it on an aesthetic level and recognize that it's important because it's great music is kind of a the biggest challenge for me in the other direction. Tell, tell me about that because I think that's such an important distinction that people, when when I hear someone talking about hip-hop who's in the well-intentioned liberal community, um, it's it's about a, like a public enemy, someone who's very explicitly political and ideological. Um, what exactly is it that they don't get about the things that aren't, or they are struggling to get about the things that aren't explicitly ideological? Um, I mean, I think... A lot of people recognize that this really struck a deep chord with this generation of youth, so they want to be down with it, but they can't really connect to it on that aesthetic level, so they find some other reason to feel like it's important and say they're down with it. And it's a well-meaning thing, but then you're setting up standards where hip-hop is doomed to fail in the long run. I think we got a lot of unrealistic expectations. Republic Enemy especially, where we thought they were going to be the new generation of black leaders and actually present a political platform and get elected to office. And these, you know, these are 20-year-old musicians. You couldn't really expect that from them. And, uh, you know, as years evolved and people kept making great music but didn't, you know, reshape the Democratic Party, you know, a lot of those people that were trying to be down with hip-hop but didn't really get it got disillusioned and then looked down on us for failing. 
where we were failing to do something you never should have expected us to do. And something they never asked of, like a, a Neil Young or a Tom Petty. That's what I always say. Nobody ever complains that John Coltrane, you know, didn't present enough of a political platform because he was speaking to your soul in the way that music does, which I think is more of a primal, profound thing than any words ever do. And, and I think hip hop does that too. At the same time, here here in the theater, we just watched a vlog that was very deeply engaged in politics and uh, the social situation, and that's often what your blog is about. I mean, sometimes your blog is, or your, your vlog, I should say. God, I can't believe I'm saying the word vlog. <laughs> um, uh, your, your video blog is uh, sometimes engaged with internal hip-hop issues, but more typically it's about the relationship between hip-hop and the broader culture and uh, politics and, and things like that. W- what do you feel like you can bring to that dialogue or that discussion uh, that isn't necessarily out there or, or isn't fully represented? Um, well, I guess, you know, I have my radio show where my appetite is kind of sated for relating to hip-hop on a musical level. So once I'm doing the videos, I sort of wind up focusing on larger issues as far as how the media addresses hip-hop. And it's, it's really made me think about, a lot about how the mainstream media is just set up to be conflict-driven and it narrows everything down into these super simplified versions of what's actually going on. And really, like, it's, it's funny, there's more media than ever, but it's harder than ever to have a real substantive conversation because it's all set up to be dramatic and conflict-driven. So figuring out ways to break through that and how new, new media like web video can help us break through that. Has being engaged in hip-hop in this new way changed the way that you think about hip-hop or or made you think about new things that you hadn't thought about before? That's a good question. Um, I mean, it's, it's interesting because I feel like blogging and vlogging, the creative process is kind of similar to the sample-based hip-hop creative process where you're taking pieces of media that are already out there and and sort of making a collage out of them and bouncing your own voice off of it and sort of hopefully making something that's bigger than the sum of its parts. Like blogging is usually you find a link that's out there and comment on it and in the video blogs I'm usually reacting to something I saw on TV that I hated and instead of yelling at the screen, you know, I do that in a video and yell at it. And um, <laughs> so, so, I mean, I feel like uh, the way that we relate to media now is sort of a process of filtering. Like we have way more data and information and voices coming at us than we could ever do anything with. So it's a process of picking things out and figuring out how to mix them up and synthesize them. I think that's sort of always been the hip hop creative process. And it's by necessity with so much media the way we all have to relate to the media now. So it's sort of adapting the hip hop thought process to the rest of the media. It's the Sound of Young America from MaximumFun.org. My guest is Jay Smooth. We'll have more in just a minute. Production of the Sound of Young America is underwritten in part by Ask Metafilter. Thousands of life's little questions answered. Online at ask.metafilter.com. Maximum Funster Bugs Meany has thrown down the gauntlet on the Maximum Fun forums. Now is the time to join the Maximum Fun Weight Loss Challenge. Starting Wednesday, July 23rd, Maximum Funsters will be pledging to work out and eat healthy in order to lose weight over the next eight weeks. Every week they'll be sharing what proportion of their total body weight they have lost, and at the end of eight weeks, only one will emerge as weight loss champion. They'll receive a super awesome prize, and everybody who lost will, according to Bugs Meany anyway, make a suggested donation to MaximumFun.org. Of course, your health is much more important to us than a donation, so if you can't do that, that's totally fine. 
Over on Jordan, Jesse, go. Me and Jordan have made a side wager of $20 as to who can lose the most weight in that same period. I hope you'll join us in healthy living. I'm like the Richard Simmons of podcasting. I'm sure Richard Simmons is already podcasting. Anyway, if you want to play with us, visit MaximumFun.org slash forums. Click on the Cornucopia forum and you'll find the thread right there. Welcome back to The Sound of Young America from MaximumFun.org. My guest is hip-hop radio host and vlogger Jay Smooth. Who is the gay rapper? The oldest and stupidest question in the history of hip-hop. Back in 1996, this magazine named One Nut Network published an alleged interview with the anonymous gay rapper. And ever since then, the more gossipy members of our hip-hop nation have been in an endless argument about who is the gay rapper. Who is the gay rapper? Because as we all know, being a gay rapper is like being the Highlander. And there can only be one on Earth at the same time. However, a new book just came out named Hiding in Hip-Hop by a longtime MTV executive named Terrence Dean writing about his life as a gay man in the hip-hop world. And lo and behold, according to his book, there's a lot of gay people in hip-hop, just like every other part of the world, because being gay is normal and it happens everywhere. I haven't seen the book yet, and I'm worried it might just be another Corinne Steffen-style saucy tell-all memoir, but I'm hoping it'll be something more than that, because hip-hop has a whole lot of baggage around the topic of homosexuality and manhood in general. So anything we can do to spark some serious thought and conversation on these issues, like that Byron Hurt documentary that made Buster Rhymes run for the border. The more we can do things like that to challenge ourselves, the better. Because when we find ourselves believing that killing a man makes us more of a man, but loving a man makes us less of a man, it's probably time to re-examine our criteria for manhood. You said something about uh, earlier about the um, the expectations that uh, sort of burdened the first big political hip-hop movement of the early 1990s. It feels like there are a lot of expectations on new media, blogging, vlogging, that whole world. What what standard would you prefer to be judged by? Like, what what do you think is success in what you're doing? I have no idea. I mean, I, I want to <laughs> I want to say things that I believe are true and say them as briefly as possible. Hopefully, people will keep paying attention until the end. Um, I think uh, you know it's. It's funny. I, feel, I see a lot of parallels between web video and the early days of hip-hop. Like, it's something that has a lot of buzz and excitement around it. Sort of a lot of people with money lurking around and outside interlopers like people from the art world did back when the movie Wild Style was made in the hip-hop days. But it's different because hip-hop was sort of... Hip-hop was a medium that was created by passionate voices who didn't have an outlet, so they had to sort of subvert the current technology to create a voice for themselves. But web video is sort of an outlet that just sprouted up organically by the advance of technology. So it's like this new medium that's in search of passionate voices. So there's a lot of buzz around it, but a lot of people really haven't found a way to use it compellingly. It's like a lot of it is people talking about the fact that they're doing web video more than anything else. So I think, I mean, I think the future lies in uh, connecting this medium with people who have something to say and didn't find an outlet for it yet. It, all this um, 20 some uh, 20 and 30 years into hip hop, um, it feels like there are a lot of things that uh, people who, you know, even if they're the kind of person who might work at a community radio station, just don't get or don't understand. And that's certainly true in, in my experience in the mainstream media. If there was an issue that you could set your sights on right now for the tens of thousands of uh, 55-year-old uh, latte-sipping, Volvo-driving 
public radio listeners listening. There's just one thing, small or big. What would you what would you like to set straight or let them know? And you're thinking very hard there. For me, you can just call it a beat. You don't have to call it a musical backing track. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's that's an important thing. I, I, I mean, I've, I've said this already, but I think people think of the musical aspect of hip-hop as an accompaniment to what really matters, which is the content of the lyrics, which is totally missing the point. Like, it's this is a piece of music, and you need to relate to the vocals based on how they're... Uh, interacting rhythmically with the music. That's the part that counts that people don't key in on. And I think even with Public Enemy, like groups that are best known for having the most explicit, profound content, if you really listen to what they're saying, it was the sonic quality of what they presented. Like they were saying things like loop a troop, bazooka, the scheme, which doesn't actually mean anything. <laughs> but just the sound of Chuck D's voice and how it related to the music, it gave it a sense of being something profound. And I think that's that's the big step. That's the big mistake that people make. It's not just not relating to hip hop music is music, and not recognizing that all the other great things that come of it are only possible because of that great musical foundation. Well, Jay, thank you so much for coming on the Sound of Young America. It was a joy to have you, Jay Smooth, everybody. <laughs> you can find Jay Smooth's video blog, The Ill Doctrine, at illdoctrine.com. Or you can find him blogging and on the radio at hiphopmusic.com. That's our time for another Sound of Young America program. I've been your host, Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. The show produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Our theme music written and performed by Dan Grayson with help from myself. Interstitial music provided by Dan Wally. Special thanks this week to Jeff Solomon of Sketchfest NYC and the wonderful sketch comedy group Elephant Larry, who helped us with the recording of this program. You can find video of our Live in New York program on our website at MaximumFun.org. It includes all of this, and you can even download it, I think. I think you can download it. I'd like you to be able to download it. Let's put it that way. Anyway, we'll see you online at MaximumFun.org, and next time right here on The Sound of Young America.